and welcome to Practical Parenting's podcast, Baby Whisperer. I'm your host, Erin Craven. I'm a journalist, I'm a magazine editor, I'm a Netflix addict, and most importantly, I'm a mum of two gorgeous boys. Of course, babies don't come with a manual, so in this podcast, we're going to answer your questions, go through some of the myths and old wives' tales, and basically everything you need to know about being a new parent. Once again, we're joined by Judy Tripodi, our expert child and family health nurse from Tresillian Family Centres. Judy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Erin. Very happy to be here. Judy, I want to talk today about a bit more of a serious topic, but a really important one. We're going to talk about SIDS and safe sleeping. So in 2017, which is the latest statistics that we've got, we lost 87 babies to sudden unexplained death in infancy, which used to be called SIDS. The good news is, though, that since the introduction of risk reduction campaigns, that actually has decreased by 85%. But it's still really important for us to talk about what new parents need to be aware of, because it's probably something that strikes a lot of fear into parents. So firstly, can we talk about what exactly is sudden unexplained death in infancy? Okay. So um, when you mentioned SIDS before, Erin, which is, say, sudden infant death syndrome, that's a part of that sudden unexplained Yes, it's death. all very confusing in, yeah, now. <laughs> in infancy. So SIDS years ago used to be sort of cot death. And so it's just, it, it strikes the fear in you when, when you have a young baby. So it's an unexplained death of an infant under 12 months of age for no, no explanation. I know that as a parent, the first time your baby sleeps through the night, you pretty much scream into the into the cot or the bassinet. What are the risk factors for SIDS? Okay, so we um, so and there, there's been a lot of research and all those campaigns like Red Nose and that is providing us with all of this information in recent years. We certainly know that putting your baby on their side or on their stomach which used to be practices in the past, is risky for SIDS. So what we tell all new parents now, if they do go to parenting classes or anybody that would be having their other other children, is for baby to be placed on their back in, the, in their um, sleep environment, cot, bassinet, wherever they are. The other risk factors too can be smoking. There's definitely an association there. So we don't want the baby anywhere where there's a smoker. So if there is a smoker in the home that they smoke outside, they're not smoking in the car with the baby, even their clothing, Erin, to take the the clothing off when they're around the baby, rinsing their mouth as, as well. We also know there's an association with the sleep space which the baby's on. So we want the mattress to be firm. We don't want sort of soft mattresses, water beds, sort of things like mm. that. And also uh, what's in the mattress. We know that the old-fashioned bumpers and quilt sets and pillows that made the cot just look gorgeous it, it has to be very Spartan, barren yeah. um, for, for the babies in the cot. So, And that's just because we want airflow to be going through there and we don't want any of that bedding to go over. Oh, and I forgot to mention toys, little soft toys or things like that. We don't mm. want any of that to go over the baby's face because that, that can increase the risk of SIDS as well. It's interesting you say the cop bumpers and things like that because you can still buy them. So a lot of people probably do assume that that's completely fine. Yeah, yeah, very much. So, yes, yeah, so no for that. 
And you mentioned as well about the sleeping on your back, not the tummy. It's important as well, isn't it, to let family members know that. I know for myself, my son's six and a family member put him into the cot when he was a baby on his side because that's what she was told, you know, six, seven years earlier. And me almost having a conniption going in there and here he is sleeping on his side. It's really important for, because it's drummed into us as new parents, but it's important for us to let our family members know that too, isn't it? Yeah, very much, Erin. And especially like, say, grandparents and that. Because I know with me, my children are in their 20s and when I had them, we we didn't know about putting the babies on their back to sleep. So it's sort of like the grandparents would say, well, you know, they might say, well, it didn't hurt you and everything's all right. But the evidence is there. It's it's overwhelming. And and I certainly being in, in this job for many years have learnt have learned that as well. And just with that reduction of children, the, the reduced um, incidence of SIDS, it's, it's just very powerful popping a baby on their back. People would, I think, would be fearful thinking, oh, if they vomit, you know, are they going to inhale that? The, the evidence is not there. It, it, it's, it doesn't happen. And I've worked with many families with lots of babies that vomit and, and it doesn't seem to be an issue if they're placed on their back to mm-hmm. sleep. That's really good to know. What age does the risk decrease? Okay. It happens under, say, 12 months, and it's highest in the first six months. So from birth to six months, six months of age is the highest um, risk. But we still do say it could happen up to 12 months of age. What about a dummy? Is there evidence to show that using a dummy is actually a a reduction in risk of SIDS? Um, There is evidence, Erin, to say that it is associated, but... Part of the safe sleep guidelines, which Tresillion adopts and, and uses, and that's put out by, um, say, New South Wales Health, they're not advocating that that in Australia, to my knowledge. Well, certainly not in New South Wales. One of the big things I guess we need to address as well is the issue of co-sleeping. And a lot of us want to be able to put baby in the bed with us at some point, whether it's, you know, all night or, or you know, just for an hour while we have a nap and the baby has a nap. It, co-sleeping is an absolute no-no, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, so SIDS will uh, the Red Nose website, which used to be SIDS and Kids, um, and and if anybody has any questions, that's an excellent resource, Erin, where they can go to. It's rednose.org.au where they can find out lots of information, and you can call them, but they they say no, and Tresillion says no to that. But we live in the real world, and I know. Culturally, for many cultures, it's common practice. So what I would say, because I'm saying no, and I think if you, if um, the listeners are wanting to explore that, to go to the experts, which would be um, at Red Nose, to give them a contact to look into that if they want to have questions about that. You mentioned putting baby on the back before, and we, we've talked about this already in another point. Is there a time where with sleeping and things like that, I guess on the back is fine for the moment. What if they don't stay on their back and they're, they're starting to roll over? Yeah, so that's a great question, Erin, and, and I cannot tell you how often I am asked that. So developmentally, we know as babies grow, they're going to move more. And rolling and that type of stuff can start to kick in, say, from four months on. You might have an advanced roller, but generally from four months on, babies um, will start to roll from their back, usually then to their front, because they're sort of spending more time on their back, I suppose. Mm. 
when that starts to happen is just say if they're wrapped or if their arms are contained in a in a sleep suit or something like that, you need to have their arms free. So that's important. So if they were to roll onto their tummy, they can push push up with their arms to sort of move their head from side to side. I'll touch on this though because it's it's sort of a very common concern. Because babies, if they're wrapped and they're used to being contained, this transition, this developmental normal transition, their sleep can, they, they can be more wakeful and have difficulty settling. And that's actually a normal part of the development. It's not so much, we hear this word sleep regression, which sounds really negative. It's not like their sleep's going backwards or that. They're just learning new skills. So, they will probably, the baby will need more support from you for a certain period of time to learn to self-settle again. They may or may not. Um, so what I usually say to the parents is once they're starting to roll, slowly have maybe one arm out first. Don't, don't go cold turkey with both. Yep. Um, get them used to one arm out first when you're putting them down to sleep. Often in the day, I think can be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. The baby learning these skills and you supporting them than, than at night when you're sort of really tired. And then after a period of how quick they learn, which often can be, we're talking more in say a week or more than in days, then they can go to both arms out, which would be transitioning them to a sleeveless um, like a sleep sleeping sleep. bag. The Red Nose website has a good article on that too. So a lot of parents get freaked out because we're saying, yes, they've got to sleep on their back. Yeah. And here they are rolling on their tummy and parents are going in, like moving them like hourly yeah. at <laughs> I night. I think we did that several times. Oh, he's on his tummy again. Oh, move him back around. <laughs> yeah. So the, so the Red Nose website will say as well that if the baby, like arms are free, and make sure also safe bedding and all of this sort of stuff is in play too. If they were to roll onto their tummy, put them on the back their back first. But if they were to roll onto their tummy and want to sleep there, you can leave them in that position. Okay, well that's good to know because as I said, we've all gone in there and moved them around and probably woken the baby up as well while we're doing it. Yeah. What about things like tummy time? That's obviously really important too. Yeah. So the, you know, where, where there's always an upside, there's a downside. And where we're saying now to parents to pop their baby on their back to sleep, what we've noticed is that because the baby's skull bones are soft, these babies can start to get like a misshapen or flat head mm. on one side. And that's where tummy time can help correct that. So tummy time during the awake time for the baby, and you can start tummy time from as soon as they're born, really, and you, and I think they they might advise. I'm not too sure on the definite times of this, but at least say three times a day for a short period. Be guided, looking at baby how they're managing with this, if they're liking it, and that type of thing. Um, so tummy time on the floor, and that way that helps them gain upper body strength to be able to push up, and just being off their head it helps counteract that that flathead too, which is called plagiocephaly, if you want sort of a technical term. And if your baby doesn't like tummy time, a little trick can be you just roll up a, a small towel to put under their under their chest, can assist and their arms are over the towel. Um, tummy time too, what's good with that, Erin, it also gives baby the ability to, to look from a different perspective. 
Yeah. So they're looking around their world, learning around, the, learning about their world from a different angle. So it's very stimulating for brain development and that type of thing. Many parents will say their baby may not like tummy time. Yes, I hear that a lot. Yeah. So if that's the case, think outside the square. Tummy time could be lying on your chest. Oh, okay. Okay, so when the baby is sort of that skin-to-skin type of thing and they can that that can be tummy time. You can be lying back or you could be lying flat on the floor and they could be lying against you that way. You can have tummy time with the baby across your lap with them facing with their body down on your legs, even across your arm. Okay. Yeah, so they're, they're sort of lying on their tummy across your arm. So that, that can be tummy time as well. That's interesting to hear you say that because I think a lot of us look at tummy time as a chore. It's almost like the exercise, need to put them on the floor now for tummy time. So it's yeah. really good that you say that you can do it while it's a bit more relaxing for the baby, I guess. Yes, yeah. And you want to be mindful of their cues too. You don't want them to be screaming on the floor for a few minutes, absolutely hating it. I think the thing too is you've got to get down there as well because babies like a social being. They want to be with you. And it's not you just plonking them on the floor and then going off doing a couple of things with a few toys scattered around them. Yeah. So you have to be down there as well, particularly if they don't like it. It's not tummy time boot camp is what you're saying, I think. <laughs> no, no. So small increments with anything. I think with anything, Karen, generally with children, and you can liken this to anything if they're fussy with a particular food or anything that they do that they don't like, small increments with them. Children learn through consistency and um, practice and every day is a new day to, to, to start this. And, and I think a lot of parents, we just want, we do something and we, we think, oh, yes, it's going to be fixed in a few days and sometimes it's never the way with small children. It could take many weeks, sometimes even months for children to learn particular skills and like things. You mentioned about having the the bear cot and it's pretty much just a, a, a sleeping bag or a, a blanket. What age can you start introducing the toys and the pillows and things like that? Because I know we all, you know, of course a baby gets lots of new toys when they're born. We want them to sleep with a favourite teddy bear or something like that. What age is it okay to start bringing those things in? Yeah, so um, that's a good point with like the favourite teddy bear and things like that. We know in the second six months of life, and maybe some of the listeners have heard about separation anxiety or things like this, that babies suddenly want to be with the main caregiver, don't like strange people, don't like certain things get frightened and really want to be with you. That's sometimes where a transition object, which is like a toy, can be helpful to introduce to the baby. The main thing is is that you have to be mindful what we said before. You don't want anything big enough that's going to if the if the baby were to put it on their face mm-hmm. and restrict the breathing. So we want something that is really quite small and the Red Nose website would have information about that. In regards to pillows, I think um, just say when they're in a bed. So pretty much cot equals no pillow. And so most children will transition to a bed usually from their second birthday on. I suppose if there's another baby on the way that needs it, it could be older. (laughs) Yeah, generally you might sort of see that information uh, after the age of two or when they're in a big bed. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Judy, so much for your advice. It's a really scary topic for parents, I know. So it's really great, sound, practical advice that you've given us today. Yeah, you're more than welcome, Erin. Thank you. And thank you for listening. 
For more advice on newborn and parenting expertise, head to practicalparenting.com.au and we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe to the Baby Whisperer podcast. If you feel you'd like to speak to someone, please reach out to Tresillian at tresillian.org.au. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Practical Parenting's Baby Whisperer podcast. Bye for now.